if you enjoy the flavors of food, mm-hmm. eventually it draws you to wanting to grow your own food because the stuff you find isn't as good. I love learning. And yep. so if you try a bunch of new things, eventually stuff, you figure out what can monetize. Welcome to the Small Scale Life Podcast. From our Snowden Studios in frigid Minneapolis, Minnesota, it's the Small Scale Life Podcast. I'm your host, Tom. I hope you're doing well. Welcome to the show. And it is, on record now, the snowiest February we've ever had in Minnesota. Mm, Take that to the bank. It's been never-ending. In this episode of the Small Scale Life Podcast, we're talking about homesteading and small business tipping points with Nicole Sauce. I had an opportunity to catch up with Nicole and talk to her about her journey from leaving the city in the Pacific Northwest to rural living in Tennessee, essentially going from city mouse to country mouse. She's doing what Julie and I and many of the members of this audience are dreaming about doing. In our own lives, we have events that happen and become defining moments for us. Those are the key tipping points that change us, change our lives, and change our future completely. What were the tipping points that triggered Nicole's journey, and what lessons did she learn along the way? We answer that question as we talk about a number of topics, including breaking free from the corporate cube world to start a small business, becoming self-sufficient, canning, and homesteading. I think you're going to like the show. I learned a lot. It was a lot of fun, even though we had some technical difficulties during the show. Before we get into our topic of the day, I know we have a ton of new listeners to the Small Scale Life podcast and at smallscalelife.com. My wife, Julie, and I are dedicated to helping you build a life you love by focusing on four core principles, which we call our pillars, that include simple living, financial freedom, gardening, meal planning, and food prepping. We know there's a ton of podcasts, blogs, and media out there, and we're so glad you're spending time with us. Thank you so much for your time. We really do appreciate it. There are a number of ways you can support our work here. Here at Small Scale Life. Probably the best way you can support our work is going to the resources page on smallscalelife.com. On that resources page, we have a number of affiliate links to the following services. Amazon. Yes, we have Amazon. It's back. Did you know that Small Scale Life has an Amazon affiliate link? I know a lot of you have looked for it and couldn't find it, and that's that's my bad. I am I apologize, especially with the, the holiday season. But it is probably the best kept secret on the planet besides what's happening at Area 51. But we do have an Amazon affiliate link. It's active on the resources page. That's where it is. Go there. I really don't want to have the carousel thing going on this blog and website and everything. It just it doesn't fit with our minimalism, right? It just looks It just doesn't work for me, but it's there. So go to the resources page right there under the uh, some of our free giveaways is the Amazon link. So click on that. Do all your shopping on Amazon using that resources page. Go through that. We'll get a small percentage. There's no additional cost for you. And it's just a way you can show your appreciation for the show and what we're doing here and give us some support too. the other place you can go is kit.com slash small scale life. It's our online store where we feature products, books, and other items that we use every day here in our house, kitchen, garden, yard, and everywhere else here at the Small Scale Life Homestead. Everything is secure and linked to Amazon and or other vendors. And we continually add more items to our kit. So check it out. Go back frequently. You can see what we're using here at Small Scale Life. 
Next, we have some good news. We are using Cozy. We've talked about Cozy on other podcasts, but this is a scheduling app that makes scheduling your family events and grocery shopping so easy. It just got so easy using this app. It's a free app, and Julie and I use it every day. We are sharing calendars. We're scheduling events for each other. We're we're sharing lists like grocery lists. It just makes life easy. I go one way with one cart. She goes the other way. We both have access to the list, and we watch each other take stuff off as we find stuff at the grocery store. It is awesome. You can build wish lists. You can do all kinds of stuff. Share it with your kids, whatever you want to do. But it is a great app, so go check that out. It's completely free. It's an affiliate link, and you are making your life incredibly easy. So go check that out right away. And then finally, Simply Canning. We are working with Sharon Peterson over at simplycanning.com. She has a great site there. She's got the academy where she is teaching people how to can safely. Do you know how to can and preserve your harvest safely? Does pressure canning freak you out? It still freaks me out a little bit. Your house isn't going to blow up. You'll figure out how to use that pressure canner. Go over and and learn from Sharon Peterson. She's an expert. She can show you how to safely can and preserve your food. There's a ton of great high-definition videos inside her academy. Go check that out. You'll learn so much. I know a few of you have been waiting for this to come back online. Sharon just moved onto a new site, new platform, and it is great. So check it out. She's even got some gardening videos in there uh, that are pretty good. So check that out. Uh, Check out the link and join me over at Simply Canning, their online classes, they are fantastic. You are right in her kitchen and learning from her. So check that out. It's awesome. So there you go. So if you are looking for gifts, you're looking for to do some shopping, go over to the resources page on smallscalelife.com. Use the links. Get the apps. There's no additional charges to you. We get a small percentage for doing the advertising, and you support the show that way. We would love to do this more, and your support is a great signal to us that you're enjoying the show and what we're doing here. So enough of that. Thank you again for supporting Small Scale Life. We appreciate it, and thank you for your time, and uh, on with the show. A little bit before Nicole Sauce, before I roll out the interview here, uh, in case you don't know, Nicole is a fellow traveler on the homesteading and self-reliance highway. She's going right down there with us. In fact, she's a few miles ahead, but she's leaving a trail of breadcrumbs for us. She started a number of small businesses and endeavors, including rental properties, corporate training, website design, roasted coffee, podcasts, and an associated membership site, spring workshop, and a newspaper. Holy crap, that's really busy. Did you know she also has goats, garden? cans and sings in a choir yeah she's super busy but she is doing a great job on her podcast living free in tennessee julie and i just enjoy listening to her show she's got some really good topics we've had her featured in news around the bend news from around the bend articles on every friday in fact last friday we had two of her articles two of her podcasts listed there that were that good so go check that out if you are interested she is running a spring workshop on her property in tennessee from april 25th to april 28th this year coming up right and at the time of the podcast and you'll hear it towards the end of the show she says that she had nine tickets left well here's an update for you today february 27 2019 she has five tickets left five so if you weren't want to learn about cheese making fermenting from an expert energy independence how to build a rocket stove small business ideas and hang out with some really great people 
Head over to the Living Free in Tennessee website, click on the big red easy button on the right side of the homepage. It works because I was there today and I clicked on it. I have a direct link for you in the show notes, but you can also go to livingfreeintennessee.com and click the big red button. Cost, you'll have to check it out there. But it is for camping on site. She's got a great menu set up. She's got some great people coming in for guests. So if you want to do this, and it's near Nashville. How cool is that? So make a little vacation out of it. Go out there. Hang out with Nicole and all the uh, other great people out there. Julie and I can't this year. We've got some other things planned, but uh, maybe next year. So it's a great thing. Great event. Go check that out. Okay. So we talked about a lot of topics. They're all in the show notes here, but we talked about the journey from going from the Pacific Northwest to Tennessee. How did she get into um, how did she get into homesteading? How did she get into small businesses? Talked a lot about um, spousal support. You know, does does your spouse support this? How do you get them on board? Mindset and preparedness, gardening and canning, homestead lessons learned, building an audience on social media, and oof, her podcast. So we talked about a lot of good stuff. Check out this podcast. I hope you enjoy it. I'll come back at the end of it and just to wrap everything up. Again, thank you for being on the Small Scale Life Podcast. I am on with Nicole Sauce from Living Free in Tennessee. Thank you. How are you doing, Nicole? I'm doing great. It's been a good day. Uh, it finally stopped raining here. Oh, my gosh. That's amazing. I, I heard you were building the ark. We are building the ark. I have friends who are actually underwater right now. Oh, no. Thankfully, all my homes are above the flood line, so I'm oh, good. Wow. Yeah. You've been getting rain like we've been getting snow. It just stopped. Yeah. I think it's still snowing. As a matter of fact, we got eight inches, and I think we're supposed to get some more over the weekend. So this is, I think, the record-breaking year for, for snow in February, which is crazy but uh weather happens weather happens yes so snow here rain there but we're glad you're on the show i've got so much i want to talk to you about i'm so excited you're here i started listening to you i think i heard you on jack's burko survival podcast i think that's probably where a lot of people hear about you and i was like who is this person i've got to start listening to her stuff and i did and i told julie about it and she's she's like eh, whatever and then she started listening and she's like I just said, she's listening to Monday's episode about seasonal deficit disorder. Yep. And uh, she's just getting some exercise. She's moving her ass as you as you so. Yeah, move your ass, man. Yep. That's what it takes. <laughs> <laughs> so we're excited to have you on. And, and, and we came up with some questions just to kind of walk you through it. I want to introduce you to my audience because I know a lot of folks are just starting to get into this homesteading thing and preparedness. And what does it, all of this mean? And so who are you? We're we're. How did you get into this whole homesteading thing and living free and all this good stuff? It was a complete accident, but I think life is. Mm -hmm. So it was the journey I was meant to take. I started life uh, training to be a high school teacher. Oh, wow. Really? Yeah. Yeah. In Oregon. Wow. Okay. Mm -hmm. And it just was not a good fit for me. So right after spending money on a degree, getting my degree. I realized I didn't want to teach in the public school system because it was all jacked up. Yeah, it is. And that was in the 90s. Mm. (laughs) So I 
went into corporate training okay. and worked as a cultural trainer, a language trainer, mm. ended up working in the software industry. Okay. And one day, and I was a total socialist too. Oh, wow. So yeah, commu- uh, bordering on communists, like all the Bernie Sanders stuff would have totally resonated with me at that time. <laughs> one, one day I'm sitting there and I'm thinking about how I would change XYZ problem in the city if I was in control. Sure. And I realized... If I'm in control, it's not fair. Hmm. And I like in two days, I flipped to becoming more libertarian. And I just happened to be working on the same floor as a libertarian think tank oh in God. Portland, Oregon. Wow. <laughs> yeah. That's crazy. So I could ask all these questions that like when you start having an alternative view sure, and you ask questions like who would build the roads, people mock you. Oh, yeah. They absolutely do. These guys didn't mock me. They'd, they'd sit there and they'd walk me through it. Well, here's how it could work. We don't know. We've never tried. Sure, sure. And but once upon a time, it did work. I mean, we settled the West and there were no roads. I mean, somehow right. Somehow we got it done back yeah, in the day. Right. Who knew? <laughs> so that brought me into, I went into the nonprofit world for about 14 years. Oh, wow. Working on public policy campaigns. So not like getting a person elected, but getting something passed to hopefully roll back government. And probably three years years ago now, I had this, like I was listening to Jack Spierko and he's talking about, you know, building your life and blah, blah, sure. blah. And I, I was already on a homestead. I had, I had accidentally moved to the country <laughs> <laughs> and I was butchering animals and raising things and canning things and also running around getting legislation passed as best I could to roll back government. And I realized what I was doing was using a system that I don't believe in. Sure to try to change the system and that was never going to work. And that was my whole career. Mm. And I cried for like two hours. Yeah. I mean, that's totally Because I'm like, crap, what do I do? And so I phased out of it and went into some of my own business business ventures again. And that has led me to here. And I've been talking about it on the podcast for like three years now. So that was all like this big life turned upside down. (laughs) That's pretty amazing. You know, at one time I was a civil engineer working at a consulting firm and we were doing, I think, 98% of our projects were public projects, you know, uh, roadways, bridges, all that kind of stuff. And right downstairs from us was the Minnesota Taxpayers League. And it was kind of fun to go wander down there sometimes at lunch and talk to their their executive director who was in this little broom closet office. But it was really fun to kind of talk to him a little bit and talk about some of the uh, infrastructure projects and funding and all that kind of stuff. And he eventually went on to other things. But uh, that was in- it's, it's interesting how we get put into certain places and situations and find our way, isn't it? It, it, it is. And, you know, along the way, I learned a lot of really good skills. Like I yeah. wouldn't the thing I do now, I could not do had I not gone on that journey. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Had a bunch of jobs in my life and yeah. they've all taught me something. Yeah. And it, it all comes together when you're doing your own business. Sure. Oh yeah, you're a you're a jack of all trades essentially. Yeah. No pun intended, Jack. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. So that inner dialogue is is interesting to me and 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 coming to that realization and then flipping that quick. I mean, that's that's interesting. I don't find many communists that do that. <laughs> There was a lot in my background to lead okay. me that direction. Okay. Uh, be, like if I look at my extended family, I have I have two families. I have, you know, mom's side, dad's side. My dad's side is filled with small business owners. Oh, okay. And stubborn people who tend to not do what they're supposed to do. Mm. And so I grew up with that. I just 
was motivated towards more of a socialistic approach sure. because I wanted to take care of people because I love people. Yeah, you're a people and collector. Yeah. the other narrative doesn't say that you're doing that. Sure. Even though they're better at taking care of people than the socialist system, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It, it's just, they don't frame it that way. They frame it like, yeah, some people are going to die on the street of drug overdoses. <laughs> okay, well, it's true. Yeah. And they will in the socialist system too, but the yeah. socialist system is like, we're going to care for everybody, you know? So it's, it's a marketing thing well they'll die in line waiting for bread and then they'll die there but you know yes we'll yeah. lose a few along the way you know yeah, exactly <laughs> so so how did you end up on the homestead i mean there was you had this epiphany you're doing your thing what at what point did you make the jump so i when i was growing up my mom had a huge garden and did canning yep mine too and my grandparents did too and i remember like asking my grandparents to teach me how to can green beans when i was maybe 20 but i never really got into that part i've always loved cooking and and good food though so that helps i think that helps if you like if you enjoy the flavors of food Mm -hmm. eventually it draws you to wanting to grow your own food because the stuff you find isn't as good that other people grow totally i was living i had been living in the city for years and moved to nashville to help start a nonprofit there okay that's how you got to nashville gotcha yeah and found myself hanging out at this lake so we started looking for what we referred to as a hillbilly fishing shack so somewhere where we could go it would be shelter we could hang out for the weekend and then go back to the city and this property that i'm on now was listed it has a house on it has two houses on it by the way okay Listed as land only because it was so trashed. Oh, wow. It was on a list of maybe 10 properties I looked at. And we looked at this and it was like the sketchiest, like banjo playing, scary location you could think of. Like super remote, things moldering in the yard that should not be moldering in the yard, completely (laughs) messed up. And I loved it. And then we looked at the other nine properties and I was like, I really think we should make an offer on that really sketchy one. (laughs) (laughs) And so we did. And within like six months, we moved here and, you know, like... The first winter we lived here, I had to carry hot water because the only fixture in the whole house I could get to work was the kitchen sink to the bathtub in like stock pots to take a bath. Oh my gosh. Wow. (laughs) Because there was was sand in all the pipes and it it was like this crazy, you know, I went from city life with everything working and you can walk to a restaurant to I'm basically camping, but I have a roof over my head. Oh my gosh. See, I wish Julie was here to hear this because part of this discussion and our shift here, we've talked about moving to the country, right? And I've got some land in central Wisconsin, but yeah. it's too far. It's in the middle of nowhere. But this whole this whole switch, it's it's interesting. And I think it scares her a little bit because we've been suburbanites. I've, a lot of our listeners are suburbanites. You know, we're in the grind and we're we're looking for that chance to break out. And, and we don't know what we're going to get when we get there. And we could have sand in the pipes, but a really great property. <laughs> And living it and living with an outhouse, right? For a while, it's it's possible. Hello, are you there? I can hear you now. Did oh you gosh. get like re- rebooted or something? I don't know. It says my internet connection is unstable. Hmm. Okay, so here's where you were. You were like, I wish. Oh. <laughs> It was really good. So what I suggest you do is you tell me that whole story and we just leave a really big space so it's easy to edit. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, my recording is um, still going. So um, Yeah, mine too. 
I just, I said, I wish Julie was here because this is kind of a discussion we've had and we're, we've lived in suburbanites. I mean, I haven't lived in the country since I was really young. And even though we had cabins up in, in Lake country all my life, we're, we're pretty, we're, we're city slickers, you know, and, and we we're we've got an urban lot right now in Minneapolis, North Minneapolis, this whole thing of moving out to the country, there's, there's challenges you're going to have, you know, it might be sand in the pipes in an outhouse you know, for a little while while you're getting stuff yeah. under control. So this whole transition from city mouse to rural mouse is kind of an interesting, it's an interesting thing to talk about. And I wish she was here to, to ask you questions because I know her noggin would be jogging. <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, it's, it's a totally different thing. And I know like the difference between the first year I lived here and now mm-hmm. what I'm willing, like what I can handle, what I'm willing to take on, how I feel emotionally about things. Huge. Like yeah. I think it was three years ago. I walked into my, my well house cause there was an issue. I opened the door and sometime in the last three days, an entire ant's nest had moved into the door jam. Oh my gosh. And they fell in my really long hair. Ooh. And a friend was with me and I was like, well, that sucks. I started walking away and like wiping the ants off and they're wiping the ants off. And I'm like, if that would have happened my first year, I would have like completely lost it and screamed. (laughs) And I was like, oh, there's ants in my hair. At least they're not wasps. Yeah. Or, you know, like something else is grosser. Spiders. (laughs) Yeah. Spiders would have been bad, but ants, I can handle ants. Ants. They're not fire ants, were they? No. No, no. We haven't had those here yet. Although we just saw our first... Streaming the office. Never know, you know? I know. <laughs> I just unplugged my Roku because it uh, sometimes it gets like, hey, I'm going to do this update thing oh, going on. God, and yeah. I don't realize it. Right? I mean, oh, that's Skype right there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh. Figure in an urban area, we'd have awesome internet, but, you know, who knew? My internet's usually pretty good, but weather can also affect it out here. Sure. 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 Well, yeah, we, we have little glitches and stuff occasionally, too, especially like last year with CenturyLink was out there and digging up the whole street and, oh, there's something wrong. We forgot to tell you. I'm trying to podcast. Oh, what's that? I don't know. <laughs> <You know? laughs> thanks, guys. Appreciate it, you know? Yeah, thanks for the heads up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you know, it's like um, like you were saying, when we first, we lived in ten, uh, Tallahassee for a couple of years and the first time we were down there, we were at my boss's place and we're eating dinner and I see something moving on top of the ceiling right above above the table. And it was a cockroach. And I was like, oh, my God, it's a cockroach. We don't have those in Minnesota. Oh, <laughs> uh, uh. And he just nonchalantly goes up there, you know, kills it. And he's like, eh, whatever. And there was a saying down there. I think the first year you run and run and scream and hide when you see a cockroach. The next year you're, you're you kind of laugh and squash it. The next year you're just like, oh, look at that and play with it and whatever. You know, yeah. you get used to these things as you go along. But cockroaches no uh, we won't get used to that but uh. we have stink bugs and ladybugs here oh like yeah. the lady beetle things yep. yeah those things are like epic bad yeah are they the japanese one that bite you or sting mm-hmm. you oh yeah those are bad oh yeah and i have finally they will they are no longer able to get in my roasting camper but it took me two years oh oof. yeah Ugh. it's uh, yeah do you have many rodents out there like little mice going around and all that kind of stuff I have five cats, oh. <laughs> so I see them dead, but I don't see them alive much. They have a job. The cats have they, a job. They're doing a great job. Yeah, I love it. Nice. <laughs> they line up the little heads on my doorstep. <laughs> I have a great mouser. She's uh, the executive producer, and she's snoring on the bed because that's where she is 90% of the time. So we call her Batgirl. 
She's Princess Lulu. <laughs> she doesn't do much, but uh, she needs a job. Very cool. So you were out looking at this lake, and that's where you do your kayaking and everything uh, in the summer? Is yeah, the same so lake? Ca- lake kayaking's great, and I live by a really good river for fly fishing oh, and sweet. kayaking, so there's just there's a lot of water activity around here. Oh, God, that's awesome, because we that's part of our deal, too, is we love, I mean, you know, I grew up on the lakes, Minnesota, 10,000 lakes, Jules a swimmer. We would event. We would love to have a place on a body mm-hmm. of water, a river, a lake, something. Water is life, so it just factors into so many things in our lives. Yeah, that's awesome. That's great. And I suppose, are you doing rentals at the Holler? So I have had an Airbnb rental here. We have a guest yeah. cabin, and I was doing it as an Airbnb rental through last year, and I shut it down because it takes me a lot of time to clean it in between people. And I have not found a trustworthy way to get that done except for, for me to do it. And so now I am booking it directly with people just through my podcast or people I know. And that's the vacation rental. But then I also have a couple of long-term rentals. I have a farm nearby that I'm about to sell that I've been renting for five or six years. And then I have a duplex apartment in Nashville. Okay. And that's a relic of I lived in Nashville and I've always liked doing long-term rentals. Mm -hmm. And I found one in sort of like a transitional neighborhood that was a good price about 10 years ago. And now it's in a hotter neighborhood 10 years later. And so we're in fact in the middle of a remodel on that. And then it's going to be available March 1st for the next tenant. But that the rental income has been really helpful towards yep. empowering the lifestyle I want to have just yep. because I know how to maintain rentals and they're a good source of income once you get them set up well. Yeah, definitely. And um, I come from a long line of um, people who have had rentals. My grandparents had rentals in Florida and Wisconsin. They bought land, sold it. Uh, real, they were realtors. My mom's a realtor. They've had rental properties. I know mm-hmm. the joys. I know the frustrations and the sorrow. Oh yes. <laughs> oh my God. And uh, you know, my grandma and my grandpa. That's how they broke out. They lived in Kenosha, and I was just doing some research on their past. And he was working in a auto in the auto industry, you know, building cars in Kenosha. Uh, the Gremlins back in what well, further, you know back in the day mm-hmm. but they broke out and they bought they bought a resort in central wisconsin and they had renters coming in every weekend and you had to do that turn you know get them clean get them ready get them gone yeah uh, get them ready for the next renters coming in it was always a process and it was tough to find help so my grandma she did it for years and years and years it was yeah uh, if that was my full-time thing it would be fine it's fitting it in it's like that four hour it's amazing how long it takes to clean something oh yeah that four hours in between, <laughs> you know, like I'm supposed yep. to be building a website and recording a podcast and there's oh somebody gosh. coming at 4 p.m. today. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's just it. And how do you how do you find those income streams and how do you this is kind of jumping into the small business stuff that you're known for on survival podcast and your own uh, podcast? I mean, how do you find that thing? How do you where do you start for looking for that side hustle or that? that thing that's going to break you free from the cube farm. Uh, You know, the one thing I think that is required to find your side hustle or find your passion Mm -hmm. is a passion to try things. So I love to learn something new. Part of why school teaching was so interesting to me was that every day is something different 
even if it's the same topic that you're teaching. Sure. And that variety was really attractive. I've always had a passion for learning how things find all these things. And I basically told you, I love learning. And so if you try a bunch of new things, eventually stuff, you figure out what can monetize. What would be your next question after that? (laughs) You're right. And, um, you know, I think it, I think there's something else too. It's, you've got to get, you've got to find something people want, right? I mean, you can have, you can be passionate about ukuleles. If nobody wants your ukulele, then you're going to be just wasting time. You know, I think finding that thing that people want, like coffee, people really enjoy coffee and that it, it brings people together. They can enjoy it on a rainy day or a snowy day. And it, it's something people want. And it's, it's finding that thing that people, that, that intersection of what people want and what you are really passionate about. I think that's really important too. Yeah, it is. It's sometimes what you're passionate about is not the thing you should be doing, but like coffee is a great example. I love coffee. I love roasting coffee. I love tasting different beans. Mm-hmm. And I like roasting coffee for other people. And it's that other people thing. Like it makes them happy when they get the right coffee. That's what makes that business for me work. Mm-hmm. Right. Cause you know, like the mailing, the tracking, the bookkeeping, not my favorite part. Yeah. But when I hear from people how much they like this or that blend that I've done for them or, or that roast, that really makes me like, I'm like, yep, that was worth putting the time in on. Right. Right. So, you know, I think you just have to try so many things and eventually you figure out the things that are going to work as a business versus as a hobby. Right. Yeah. And, and uh, how do you... Uh how do you maneuver with all these things with a, with a spouse that's kind of going, mm, you're starting a new thing. Uh, didn't we do the old thing? Aren't you done with the old thing? I mean, not that I've ever heard that before. Jules. Do you have a camera in my house? <laughs> no, I have the same camera going on in my house. <laughs> I mean, I'm like, okay, I can get a membership site going and then we can do this and then we can do that over there and we're going to do this. And she's like, well, we haven't even finished really the site yet, and it's slow. So um, what are you doing over there, guy? <laughs> I have been lucky in that I don't get a lot of pushback when I try new things. But I also, I'm purposeful about our big picture goals. Ah, there you go. So there are big picture goals about financial independence, mm-hmm. having time for recreation, and prioritizing health. Yes, those are our three things. Yep. Like big picture. Very familiar. And, yes. Yeah. I do this, my three things thing where you can only keep track of three things. Those are our big picture, three things. And so, you know, I started the coffee and at the, that same year I started selling eggs. I no longer sell eggs. <laughs> yep. Cause I was looking at the financial impact of the coffee versus the eggs. And I realized if I put my time in coffee, marketing, consulting, the Living Free in Tennessee podcast and my rentals, those are all working for the financial independence. And I, at the same time, I had tried like four other things that year. I did eggs. I did, um, my gosh, I don't even remember what I did anymore. Cause Jeez. I, I the goat jettisoned thing. them, but I did four other things, yeah. whatever they were. <laughs> there were probably meat, meat chickens was one of them. There were, there were a bunch of other stuff sure. and it was just not, it was taking a lot of time and not bringing in a lot of money. Yep. So then I thought, screw it, not doing that. So I haven't had the spouse issue. Gotcha. Because I tend to self-correct towards the revenue and then that's helpful. Yeah, that is really helpful. And I think I think a lot of times um, I know 
different podcasters in the in the prepping world, different uh, podcasters in the homesteading world, they've talked about this where they want to start with prepping or homesteading or mm-hmm. whatever, and the spouse isn't on board. I mean, Glenn Tate with his two hundred ninety nine days book, he he docu- pretty much documented his life where his wife wasn't on board, and he's doing it, you know, running to a storage locker in the cover of night and doing the preps, you know. <laughs> When no one could see, not even the storage locker people, because you couldn't have food in there. And um, you know, this is kind of the the secret stuff that is going on. And how how do you? I mean, you've been around it too. I mean, how do you how do you get that spouse on board? I mean, fortunately, Jules coming on board, but you know, there's some there's some work that has to be done there. I think. Well, I think you do have to involve. Like my philosophy is, you have to involve your family in yep. the big picture goals, right? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So I can say this though, I was recording my podcast for at least two, maybe four months before he knew I had one. Oh, wow. I was just recording it, putting it out, recording it, putting it out. I wasn't trying to hide it. It just never came up. Sure. And then one day I was like, so I do this podcast and, you know, kind of like ducked my head. <laughs> and the first time he listened to it, he's like, oh, you're kind of good at that. Oh, thanks. <laughs> yeah, I know. I can talk. So... <laughs> That's funny. So that was good. Um, and then he's just been, he, you know, he hasn't been involved in the podcast, but he hasn't been like, why are you doing the podcast? Sure. It's like, okay, it's the thing she needs to do. Mm-hmm. So that's it. But I think, you know, getting that long-term vision shared is really important. And it's, I, I think our society does not focus enough on that. You know, you get married and then you do the vision. No, like do the vision before you get married. <laughs> yeah, true. And and it changes over time yeah. as life events happen, like like your inner dialogue out in the West Coast or or the crash of 2008 happens for us or the government yeah. shutdown just happened, you know, and that's a major tipping point in somebody's life when you're not getting paid for 35 days. You know, it's it's a big deal, you know. It's yeah. Like, wow. If if we're prepped like we were, you know, have some savings, yeah. have some food in the pantry, hmm, we can survive that pretty well, you know, and, and kind of go, well, they want to keep it shut down for a while? Okay, we can do that. I mean, it's it's a different deal. It's a different mindset. Yeah, and I think living in the country, you tend to, you become more preparation-minded. Yes. Because the grocery store is so far away. Oh, so, yeah. like, I didn't know I was a prepper until I was listening to Jack Spearco. Oh, okay. And he's talking about prepping, and I'm like, I do that. Mm-hmm. I do that. Oh, yeah, I do that, too. <laughs> oh, that's a good idea. I should start doing that. And I, oh, my God, I'm a prepper. <laughs> uh, all the food on the walls yeah. that I, you know. Anyway, so it was, you know, like, I think because you're not near instant access to stuff, you start realizing, okay, if I plan a little bit, I'll be in a better situation. And then if we have epic rains and there's flooding, like I could care less if I don't have to leave my house for the next week. Yeah. Like right now, technically I could drive out of here, but it would be challenging Mm -hmm. the way the waters are over the roads. And I don't have to. So why? Right. You know, I've got food, I've got water, I've got, you know, everything I need here. Right. And I think, I think the narrative behind uh, out there in the mainstream about prep, I mean, prepping, they're these crazy conspiratorial tinfoil hat wearing people that have, you know, gas masks and wear hazmat suits around their house every day. I yeah. think it gives it a bad rap 
But I mean, it's just like your grand, you're doing what your grandparents did. You know, you go in the pantry of your grandparents and wow, look at all that stuff they got. Wow, they got some really good tasting stuff and they've got a freezer full of food. I mean, that's the way people lived just up till recently, really. Yeah. And it's a good way to live. I mean, you see, so I have a, a former stepsister of mine posted on Facebook because snow was coming to Seattle, Washington. Oh, yeah. The apocalypse. And her habit is like, I think on Friday or Saturday, she puts in an Amazon grocery order, goes and picks it up, and she doesn't have to mess around with actually, you know, being in the grocery store. Sure. Brilliant. Right. If you can do that, brilliant. And so she heard snow was coming and she's like, I'll do this a day early and could not get groceries. And then I'm seeing pictures of like actual bare shelves in grocery stores in Washington. Yeah. And people heard snow was coming hit the grocery store. It was cleaned out. That's how it took one day. Mm-hmm. If you don't have any stores at home, you are screwed now. And she joked, she's like, I'm going to have, you know, instant mashed potatoes and rice for the next four days or something. And that's not really true because she had a pantry, but it, it is true for some people. It is. Absolutely. It's yes. crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I had a friend out in Virginia, same story. Um, last year they got a big snowstorm out there and people went crazy and cleared out the shelves. And it was the weird stuff first. Doritos, snack foods, all that went first, the high the high processed food. Somehow the organic stuff didn't get touched, but you know, they're gonna grab all the Cheetos first. That's and, weird. Yeah, I know, right? And um It's snowing, I want Cheetos. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna watch the snow and eat Cheetos. But um yeah, it's just a different mindset in the way things operate. And I don't think people realize there's only about three days worth of food in the stores these days. And it's yeah. all just in time delivery and that system is pretty fragile if the roads go down for rains or snow. Yeah. Although that system helps us because if we have a crop failure, we can go buy lettuce. True. At Walmart. <laughs> That's true. Absolutely. Yeah. And we're not growing 100% here. In fact, I can't grow anything outside right now. I could do microgreens or lettuce inside, but we're in a deep You, you can do here. sprouts. Yes. 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 <laughs> we're going to be doing seedlings this week. So we're going to grow. Yeah, some you seeds. and me both. We're saying yes. Like, no, I'm not doing sprouts right now, but I should be. I know. We've got to get the garden going. <laughs> So how many sprouts take 120 seconds a day though? Yeah. Yeah. True. True. Yeah. That's why I, and I have the seeds, like I'm extra guilty for not starting my sprouts. (laughs) (laughs) So how do you, um, how did you find when you first started doing this whole prepping or homesteading? I mean, you weren't always like that. How did that shift go? I mean, you're you're in the Pacific Northwest. You start buying a little more, or maybe when you got to the rural spot in Tennessee, or when you got to Tennessee. I mean, what was the point for you when you started to you know stock up a little bit or buy a little extra? What point was that? I think I've always had a little extra, but not a lot. Mm-hmm. And because I'm interested in how things work, when I moved to Tennessee, I was doing a cooking blog. Oh, and then, yeah, so I was, you know, that's NicoleSauce.com and it may or may not even be up anymore. Hmm. Um, But I was doing this cooking blog and just learning all these different ways to do things like rolling sushi and all this other stuff. And canning had always been on my list. And then we ended up getting this property. And within six months, we went from primary residence in the city to secondary residence was in the city and primary residence was here. And I guess the other piece is that I've always, you know, grown a few things in the garden. So in Portland, I had a garden in my backyard. 
And, you know, I got some tomatoes and cucumbers and asparagus and stuff like that. Sure. So I knew how to grow plants. And here, all of a sudden, I had all this space to grow. Oh, yeah. And we're sitting here in the winter. (laughs) And Mark's like, hey, maybe we should do chickens, man. (laughs) So I ordered chickens. And that was like one of my first homesteading mistakes was ordering chickens before I was ready for them. Ah. But... I also suddenly had access to all this space and extra produce, and I started canning. Mama Sauce came over, showed me how to do pickles. Okay. And by a month later, I'm canning tomato sauce and sure. peaches and all this other stuff. So it's just it just happened. It was, I think once you start canning, you start storing, and you start figuring out, okay, how do I load from the back and take from the front? Yep. Yep. You got to rotate. <laughs> Yeah, and then the grocery store was such a pain in the butt to go to that I would buy groceries once a month. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'd, I'd buy them more now because I'm in the city more now, but there was a time when it was once a month and, you know, if something was desperate, we'd go. That level of planning allowed me to take control of my pantry, which actually had a financial impact that was pretty positive. Right. Yep, and we've been seeing the same thing and. Especially during the shutdown when you have some meat in the freezer, you have some canned goods, you have your own own vegetables that you've done. That, yeah. That's really pretty powerful and it really gets you through a tight spot. Um, one thing I've noticed and something I'm going to improve on this year is I can, but I'm doing salsa or corn relish or pickles or, you know, that stuff isn't going to get you over the long haul. You know, it's good to snack on for a football game or something, but you need to... Think of something else, you know, or come up with other things or yeah. have something a little more substantial, like a stew like, or something like, or soup or something like that. Yeah. Stews and soups are really easy, especially, um, so one of my, some of my hacks involve using modern technology now mm-hmm. and the, uh, carry canner has made canning soup super easy for me because I can do two to four jars at a time. Oh Yeah. Yep. And so like I literally have a soup in the fridge that we're not going to eat all of right now that I just need to can. <laughs> cool. Yeah, that's something I need to look at. <laughs> but I also find the base ingredients are more important than something like a soup. So if you can the corn that goes in it, the beans, like squash, beets, whatever it is you have. Sure. Butternut squash. Um, some of those things are, you know, some things are better in a jar than others. Mm-hmm. But if you have all those ingredients, you can take them and make a stew. Yeah. Yeah. And then you don't have to make the stew and can the stew. Right. So it's kind of, I, I go back and forth. I do can my excess stew, but I also mostly just can single ingredients. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. One thing I'm kicking around for my garden this year, I'm to- doing a total rebuild of my garden because it's falling apart, but I'm calling it a soup, a soup garden, right? Oh, thanks. Yeah. Grow everything that you could make and put in a soup or, you know, can those ingredients and put it in a stew or, or whatever, you know. So, yeah, focus on big, higher, um, higher calorie vegetables like potatoes or sweet potatoes or that kind of thing. Stuff that you're probably doing already, but instead of doing the boutique gardening like kohlrabi, which is great, but <laughs> I can't do anything with that in December, right? <laughs> right. My sister was pregnant and morning sick for kohlrabi, so it's not allowed in her house. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Every time I hear it, I'm just laughing. <laughs> yeah. I think Jules still thinks it's a little weird. What is that weird thing you're growing weird out there? Thing. Yeah, it looks like an alien. <laughs> Although I like to, like, I grow staples, but I grow funny looking ones. I'll, I'll be like, I want an orange tomato. <laughs> I don't want a red one. Oh my gosh. Yeah. There's all that kind of stuff out there, isn't there? Yeah. 
I do a little bit of both. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it's it's got to be fun. It's got to be fun, or it's not going to be very. It's not going to be very enjoyable, right? So. Yeah, I mean, I think part of that, like that whole growing plants thing, is a it's a big spiritual reset. So oh, if yeah. you invest time there, you're investing time in you. Yes. And if fun for you is purple tomatoes, then grow purple tomatoes. Yeah, totally. I mean, you know, Jack talked about it when he was uh, an executive for his telecom companies. He would come home stressed out and he'd water the plants. And I did the same thing. I was working on a $2 billion light rail project and or a leader in a consulting company. And, oh, my God, the stress. And I'd come home and I'd just go back to the garden and just be back there for a while and not yeah. think about that stuff or people yelling at me for a while and just do that <laughs> i would have been one of the people yelling at you about the light rail oh problem. i know <laughs> oh i can tell you stories <laughs> oh i can tell you stories i've been fighting light rail for years <laughs> <laughs> it was a way to escape illinois so <laughs> yeah I learned, that's a whole other topic i know i learned a lot though i'll tell you that <laughs> i bet you did notice i want to move out to the country now <laughs> Yes. Yes. Uh, you know, public policy makes you want to do that. There was an element of that in my move too, in that um, you get targeted as, well, I was targeted with death threats and some yeah. other things um, as part of my journey. And I was like, you know, yeah, I, I could handle some uh, peace and quiet in the yeah. country. Well, and I, you know, Julie thinks again, thinks I have tinfoil hat on. I was talking about some different things and, and she heard that podcast where you were talking about some of that stuff and she, her eyes got big and she's like, Oh my gosh, you were right. I mean, there's some really crazy people in this world. I was like, yeah, I dealt with some of them. Yes, I know. And it's going to get even worse. It seems like, but yeah. Yeah. People feel empowered to personally target who they perceive as weak. Mm -hmm. And like, I had this one stalker from New York who would just call me and say like the most horrible things. Every time he found my phone number, it took, it was about a year. Until I finally lost him. Wow. He hasn't found me since I started my podcast. He must not realize. Maybe maybe the uh, the stalking is done. But like you you attract weirdos when yeah. you're in the public eye like that. Yep, that's true. Absolutely. Um, so you talked about one of your one of your early lessons learned was don't get chickens until you're ready. Am I ready yet? <laughs> I don't know if I'm ready. <laughs> I don't know. Like I, I made it. But yeah, yeah. maybe not the best way. <laughs> What other what's what are some other lessons learned for people that are just starting out? Because I I know a couple guys right offhand uh, that I'm chatting with all the time, and one just made the jump, another one's going to make the jump, and a couple other are about to make the jump. So, what are some other lessons learned? There are like a series of good podcasts to listen to that basically, if you go keywords, what to think about before you buy land. Yep. Listen to those. Okay. Yes. (laughs) Because choosing the property, like I'm really lucky that my property is a good fit for me Uh because I did not buy this for this purpose. I bought this for the purpose of getting out of the city. Gotcha. And it's good for growing vegetables. It's not great for livestock. Okay. Um, It's good for some kinds, like small livestock, like ducks and chickens and goats. But Mm -hmm. if I wanted to do cattle... Or horses, not not a good fit. Right. Property right next door to me, perfect for horses. Mm-hmm. So it's, you know, like every property has the things it's good at, the things it's bad at, and you need to know that going in. Mm-hmm. And then I really think people who get excited about going to the country get in a hurry. And the worst thing you can do is be in a hurry to implement anything on a homestead. So if I was to do it all over again, I would have done one thing at a time. 
rather than several things at once. Um, at the same time, I, I got chickens before I was ready, but it worked. Okay. But if I had gotten chickens, ducks, and goats all at once, they would have all died. Yeah, that sounds overwhelming. <laughs> yeah. And and I think a lot of us would go in and we're like, we're going to do this rotational meat thing and we're going to mm-hmm. blah, 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 and mm-hmm. permaculture and woo. And <laughs> that first year, you don't even know what gro- should grow where until you observe your property. Yes. Totally. So, you know, it's like, hold your horses, man. And we were a little bit lucky because it was such a train wreck here that our first summer we spent clearing things out and taking garbage off the property and doing, you know, and, and as part of that process, we could observe so that by the second summer, you know, we knew where we wanted the garden. Although in hindsight, I would have put it somewhere else. Mm. It's mm. just that it was already a garden space. So we put the garden there again. Sure. So, so there's that. I just think hold your horses and find the one or two things you want to be good at that first year rather than the 10 things you want to fail. Oh, that's really, that's really good. My friend in Ohio, he likes to say, check yourself before you wreck yourself. And uh, always think of the big why, you know, why are we doing this or why are we doing that? And, and uh, that makes a lot of sense. It lines right up with what you're saying and kind of re- reaffirms that, you know. And I, yeah. know, I know for us, water is a big deal. And uh, I, just from my experience, I know that not all water is the same, right? You don't want a little scummy pond. You want something that you can actually swim in. Um, and, you know, so I've got some of those criteria already. So the land thing is one of those things I'll have to do a little bit more research. And I know Jack's done some good podcasts on that as well. And you probably oh, have yeah. as well. Yeah, I've done a couple of, um, you know, what to think about before mm-hmm. you go to your homestead ones. Yep. Um, it's, I think any of us who try to go out on the land it's you learn the lesson the hard way or you listen and you get it right the first time right but i just i do hear a lot of people i mean you get excited and you want to do everything and it's just choose one or two things yeah and and then the next year add one or two and that's like that's how the rhythm and the cycle builds Mm mm-hmm because I, I, I'm doing a lot more now than we were doing originally. But the reason I'm able to do it is that it, we scaled up slowly. Yep. Yep. You mastered one and then you moved to the next or got good at it. <laughs> so um, you have all these different projects going on. You know, the coffee. Yeah. The podcast. Um, the membership site. Uh, the paper. The rental properties. How do you find time to do all this stuff? Well, the crazy thing is I also go out and do corporate consulting for yes. for sales training and marketing development, which is what where the website thing comes in. Yep. Um, and you're in choir. The, <laughs> and I sing. Yes. <laughs> I sing classical music in a choir. Yes. We went to Carnegie Hall last year. It was fun. That's cool. Uh, yeah. Uh, it's so sometimes I don't have time to do everything. Yeah. And a good example of that is the choir. I have a concert this weekend. And there is another concert the last weekend of April. I am doing a homesteading workshop here the last weekend of April. Therefore, I will not be singing in the choir between now and then (laughs) because I can't do both those things. And pretty much almost every weekend between now and the end of April is getting us ready to have giant event tents and 40 people on the property. Yeah. And... And it's fun, right? And mm-hmm. that's so that workshop is part of the podcast. Oh, yeah. Where we bring people in and we do homesteading training and we talk about small business and we're building a rocket mass heater. 
which is cool. And that's very it's cool. really going to be cool. Yeah. And, and we're going to drink too much at night. That's the other plan. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. A little drinky drink. All right. Yeah. Sounds I mean, good. you know, I am in Tennessee. There might be moonshiners in the area. I have no idea what you're talking about. Yeah. Fuel. Um, fuel. So it's, you know, and that's, they all feed each other. Yeah. So, my primary two things are the coffee and the podcast mm-hmm. and the podcast sells the coffee and the coffee gives me something to talk about on the sure. podcast. Sure. The rentals have just always been part of my life. So I, I actually forget I do them. When people ask me what I do, I list what I do. I forget the rentals because I've been, I, so I did not pay my own mortgage until I moved here. Wow. And wow. I always had places with roommates or whatever. Yeah. So my mortgage was paid by being rental property and then the consulting is just a natural thing. I, you know, the consulting is the thing that I would say it's 40% right now. Yeah. And eventually that will probably be zero. I love doing it. I travel to do it. When I travel, I'm not here doing the podcast. Right. And you've, if you listen to my podcast, you've heard me do podcasts in Houston a lot. <laughs> I have. Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> well, I'm in a hotel in Houston. I don't know what's going on in the homestead. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, let's talk about the pantry while I'm not there. <laughs> I am not eating the food I stored. I'm eating crap food in Houston. Yeah, that's basically how it goes. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I totally get it. And, uh, you know, trying to carry lug some podcasting gear in, I, I've got a, uh, a small microphone headset that I use or oh, yeah. know, if, if I travel locally, I've got audio technica in a stand and I bring that along and just plug it into the, into the box and or into the laptop and yeah. Oh yeah. Or I've even done it where I just have a recorder and it'll just do it right there. And yeah, I figured out ways to do it when I'm on the road. So yeah. I mean, sometimes you just have to. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I mean, I love doing the consulting and that's, that's my own internal conflict is I do like helping businesses get their sales teams actually selling. Yeah. And that's fun to me about one week a month. <laughs> <laughs> so you're like Alec Baldwin, you come in like Glenn Gehrig and Glenn Ross and A, B, C, E, you know, always be closing, you know, you're doing yeah. that kind of thing. Okay, good. <laughs> Here's how you tell us good story. Okay, I'm out. No, I mean, and I, I talk to people like, so I do like that consulting thing. I'll have phone calls in between in-person meetings. Sure. sure. But yeah, it's, it's kind of, it's, it's a funny thing that I've done for years. And so I keep doing it, but long-term, you know, I may do it long-term because the website development that I do, I think long-term that's going away because websites are getting easier to build yourself. Oh, sure are. So yeah, if I'm still building can, websites for people, but eventually they're going to be like, screw it, man. I can do my own website. <laughs> Julie and I are building our own. Hey, we can do it. You can do it. I mean, anybody can do it, right? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah. I think the hardest part of a website is really getting the content right. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I think Seth Godin did a experiment once where he took his, his website and turned it into the most... It was the roughest looking thing ever. And he had like the highest <laughs> readership of this because it was so, I mean, the content was there, right? It just looked yeah. really like a fourth grader did it. It was just really, and he was, it was a great experiment, you know? Part of that whole business and podcast building is building the audience. Um, do you have any tips for, for building audience for people that are just jumping into the podcasting, building engagement on social media too? My theory on social media marketing and network development is it's no different on social media than it is in real life. Yep. In real life, what do you do? You go out, you talk to people, you get to know people. And if you approach them 
not as a what can you do for me, mm-hmm. but you know what can what can I do for you? Yeah. <laughs> You're in a much better place. The same goes on social media. So when I look at social media campaigns where somebody just looks like desperate and not getting anywhere and kind of schmarmy, mm-hmm. it's because they're not being what I would call like the servant warrior mentality. Yep. I, I will answer your questions. I will I will be your resource when I can. And when I can't, I'll be with my family. And we all know where the borders are. And... Uh, I mean, it's, hold on, my my phone is doing something weird. <laughs> We're having so much fun with tech tonight, you know? <laughs> I know, guys, sorry about that. Um, I had my phone in turned off, and my mother has just been trying to reach me on the walkie-talkie. Oh. So it's just, that's my advice. And then learn how to use, learn which social media tool works for you. Yeah. But when I started podcasting, I had like 80 people listen to my first episode. And the reason I did is I worked in the Liberty world Mm. and they're all like, Whoa, Nicole, who's a good presenter is doing this podcast now. And then they listened to it and they were like, Whoa, this is about homesteading. That's weird. My next podcast had 14 people listen to it. I I know the feeling I was right there with you. (laughs) (laughs) But so that's the other thing, consistency and honesty and integrity. I just think all of those things are really important. One of the things I like about Jack, and I try to do this too, is an honest representation of where I'm coming from. Like if you meet me in person, you're not going to be like, oh, that's a different person than I hear on the podcast. Right, right. I, I don't say everything about my private life on my podcast, but it's me. Yep. And if you're not willing to do that, I think the social networking part of it doesn't work because in person it doesn't work either. It's mm-hmm. the same thing. It's just one is online and one is in person. Right. It's just. So I don't know if that's advice or anything. It's just an approach. No, I think uh, yeah. I've got a friend up in Canada who who started a vlog last year and he he's recorded every day. Um, he announced he was going to do it on my show and uh, when I was interviewing him and he did it every day. Scott Hebert at Flavorful Farms and he. He just did one and he talked about authenticity and how he thinks, you know, when he was trying to be somebody else, people could see through that. But when he was himself, that's when people are like, oh, you're a really good storyteller. You're, you know, and he's gotten that recently where he's just been himself and just putting it all out there and, and the good, the bad and the ugly. Yeah. And it, it really works. So, yeah. And being a good storyteller doesn't hurt. Right. But there, there are a million books you can read about that, right? <laughs> yeah, totally. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, cool. No, um, I don't know how much time you, how much time, more time you have. I don't want to keep you too late because I know you wolf down dinner and everything. Um, <laughs> so tell us a little bit about your podcast. I mean, just so people get introduced to it. Um, where where are you taking it? I mean, you started off just once a week. Now you're up to three times a week. Has that been a has that been pretty? Has that been tough to do? Living free in Tennessee started out originally because I was in a job I hated, mm-hmm. and I basically owned the company. So there's a fun position to Ooh. be in. And fire yourself. <laughs> I needed I needed a creative outlet. I like went from being able to do what I was good at with people to running a company. And I'm okay with running a company, but I don't love it. I do not sure. love managing employees. Yep. I don't mind managing the right team, but it just turned into this thing where I was constantly doing things I didn't like to do and trying to hire people to do the things I was good at. And firing them is really tough. Ben- and firing them is really tough. And I had to yep, I because did they didn't do it well. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Long story. Yep. So I needed a creative outlet. I'm a 
logical and a creative person. And I just started the podcast. Gotcha. And I, I was really focused on homesteading and, you know, how to can things and how to, like basic homesteading skills. And I got eight episodes done and I had a following, as I said, of 14 people. Yep. And I stopped for about four weeks. There was, there were some family things that happened Mm -hmm. and somebody said, Hey, when are you going to do your next podcast? And I did episode nine. And then I realized, okay, consistency. So I did, I went consistently from there on out and it started building. And what happened over time is my life changed as it will. I'm sure the podcast will continue to change. And it went from a homesteading focus to Mm self-reliance, to building a better life for yourself, to basically, you know, living the life you want on your terms. Yep. And we changed our tagline. And so I do on Monday, it could be anything, but it's usually something, maybe homesteading, maybe small business. Uh, a lot of it is just about how to push your life forward on Monday, plus what's going on here. I have some regular segments about, you know, what whatever random wild plants I'm finding, that sort of thing. Wednesday, I do homesteading. And Friday, I either do an interview or I do something called a thought of the walk, which mm-hmm. tends to be just more liberty focused. Yep. My long-term plan is five days a week, but I'm not 100% committed to that. Yeah. Uh, three days right now. So January was hard when yeah. I went to three days. That's really ramping it up. <laughs> it was ramping it up, but I got it done. And one of those weeks, I was doing a workshop with a client in Houston. And when I do workshops, I'm working from you know 6.37 in the morning till anywhere between 6 and 10 p.m. And there is no time to record a podcast in there. So I had to pre-record the weekend before Oh wow! <laughs> to get those done. And that was fine. Uh, it's just that now it's a habit that's, that's normal. Like mm-hmm. today's podcast kind of banged itself out, even though it was a busy day. So I think the three days a week has been really comfortable because I have like Tuesday and Thursday to, to do the more focused work. Right. Right. And to breathe. And, <laughs> yeah. And the whole point of the podcast is to help people start their own thing, yeah. whatever that thing is, right? If yep. it's homesteading, great. If it's a business, great. If it's just taking control of your financing and working a job, mm-hmm. that's fine too. Right. But it's to, it's to define that for yourself and build happiness into your life. Because when you do that, you have a better life. Oh yeah, absolutely. Totally agree with you. Totally. And we've, like I said, at, I think at the beginning of the podcast, we've we've been wandering a little bit and, and rebranding a little bit. And it's kind of the evolution of things. And especially as you figure yourself out, figure your voice out, you know, we always say, find your voice. You know, yeah. As you f- start to figure that out, things kind of shape up, right? Things kind of come yeah. to focus. Yeah, we've been, we've enjoyed it. We've enjoyed your podcast. We listen all the time. And uh, no, I, I, I really appreciate the opportunity to interview. I think this is this has been a lot of fun, even though we've had a couple technical glitches. But I'm sorry about that. <laughs> no, no, I think it's my end here in Minneapolis. I mean, who knew? I mean, get us some snow and the internet's not going to work. <laughs> I mean, it's flooding here, so maybe that might have something to do with it too. So <laughs> who knows? Who knows? Well, very cool. Um, okay, so you've got a big event coming up. Has it all sold out yet? I have nine tickets left to our spring workshop, which is April 25th through 27th. That's uh, uh, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. 
We have Sandor Katz coming to talk about fermenting. So if you've read the book Wild Fermentation, he's the author of that. He's one of the world authorities on fermentation. He's traveled all over the place. That's awesome. Yeah, really cool. And we have Dixie from Homegrown Wanderlust. Mm Mm-hmm. And she's pretty awesome. So she'll be talking about building your personal brand online. I've got the Tactical Redneck talking about building community. I'll be doing a cheese making session of all things. Very cool. Very um, cool. And we have a guy named Sean Mills from Hack My Solar. And we're doing a big energy focus. So we're building a rocket mass heater here. But we're also talking about how to begin building energy independence into your homestead or your home. So if you're in the city... You can do things. If you're on a homestead, you can do more things. Right. But just how to assess your energy plan to figure out how you can be more energy secure. Mixed in there is a lot of small business stuff. I do do these things called accelerators. There will be two accelerators. We will let participants apply and they present their business idea. And then the whole group helps them brainstorm that. Those are really fun. That's really cool. And really unique too. And and I, I bet you have really good participation in that. We do. And we have a lot, you know, we have, you know, lawyers and small business owners and all sorts of different perspectives. It's, it's a, it's a big kickstart for people who get to do that. Very cool. And I, I was going to jump in there and say, if people understood our food system and how fragile that is, wait till you look at our grid system and electrical system and understand (laughs) how really fragile that is. One transformer goes out and the whole West side of the Metro is done. I mean, it's nuts. It's nuts. Really is. <laughs> it's crazy. It's crazy. Yep. So how would people go ahead and get tickets for that if they wanted to, well, to, to go? The easiest way is to go to livingfreeintennessee.com and there is a big red button that says register for the workshop. Oh my gosh. Really? So, that easy? The big red easy button? I'm a web developer. <laughs> <laughs> That's it's great. on the right hand side where oh. you expect to see it. <laughs> yeah. Right? That's awesome. The easy button. Hit the easy button. That's great. Hit and the then, easy button. It's a it's a four hundred dollar cost that includes camping and food, and cool. that's Wednesday night through Sunday morning. So it's it's a hundred dollar deposit to get your ticket. Yeah, and if you want to find out what's on the menu, you should listen to Nicole's show from today. She goes through the list, and it sounds <laughs> awesome. So take a listen and get informed. And make a purchase. And if they wanted to become a member of your membership site, how do you do that? Same place, Living Free in Tennessee. It's right there. Bam. All on one website. Awesome. Yep. And, and you can get Holler Roast Coffee there as well. There is a link to coffee on that site. But technically, the website for Holler Roast Coffee is hollerroast.com. Yes. But, you know, you got to link your sites together or else you hate money. <laughs> we don't want to hate money, right? We don't hate money. No, no, no. No. <laughs> Yeah, we were looking at some of the blends and we're going, ooh, we want this and we want that. So uh, we'll probably have an order in soon. So very cool. Very cool. Is there anything else that you got going on that you want to tell my audience about? Tell our audience about. Not right now. Those are my those are my three things. Cool. Yeah. (laughs) But that that book is coming out this year. You do know that, right? No. What's that? (laughs) The My Three Things book. Oh, very good. I love it. Yeah. So I guess we didn't really talk about it, but I try to encourage people to commit to doing something every day. One to three things. Yep. Not more than three. And the reason is when you commit to doing more than three things, you might not get them done. And that's demoralizing. So if you, if you can prioritize your three things and usually get them done, you get incremental forward momentum. Yes. 
And that's how I get things done. So I've been working on a book about that, but it's like, it's a fall thing at this point. That's very cool. Well, <laughs> yeah. um, we, we borrowed a little idea from my three things. Uh, we ran Good. the, uh, the health and fitness renew you challenge kickstart. We called it. Um, we had seven days of trying to get people right around the new year, trying to get them moving. Right. And uh, yeah. we had people that signed up and, and part of it was a 24 hour plan. And we, kind of planned out we're going to eat for that day just that day and then on the right side of the page again there's that right side again we had you know some meditation (laughs) things some prayers meditations things you're grateful for and those are threes and then the other thing was three things you want to get done and and that was something i put in there after listening to the my three things all this my three things sing in the coffee group and then you know yeah hearing about it on your show so so there you go hat tip to you thank you very much for the inspiration Hey, sure. I'm glad to hear. I'm, I, I love to see different ways that three things get implemented. And it's yeah. not like my original idea. The human brain likes to track things in threes. And it, it's like its maximum number to track is four. Yep. Yep. <laughs> so, you know, there are a lot of people who build around the number three. And that's that's why. Yes, absolutely. Well, one of those project directors on that $2 billion light rail project said, always do it in threes. Tell them what she did where you're at, what you're doing, or, you know. <laughs> exactly. You probably wouldn't agree with much else he had. Well, he was a pretty good guy, but. You know, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I know way too much about light rail, but yes. <laughs> Very cool. That's the way we bring it all together. See, we got the bookends, yeah. light rail. I didn't, I didn't realize we had the light rail link. We're going to have to talk about that at some point. Oh, we definitely will. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Well, very cool. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. I really appreciate it. And thank you for your time. And thank you for what you're doing over there at Living Free in Tennessee. Well, thanks for having me on. And um, thank you, too, for inspiring people. Absolutely. Have a great night. Yep. Make it a great week. I'd like to thank Nicole for being on the Small Scale Life podcast. It was a lot of fun. Even with all the technical problems, we got bumped like three times. But we covered a lot of ground. And I am totally looking forward to nicole's book on on my three things it's a great movement we have a lot of fun with it on uh living free in tennessee i'm in the the pot the facebook group there and we also do our own version in the small scale life facebook group we call it my weekend three things where we talk about the weekend activities and and hopefully someone will get inspired to try something new so check that out come over to small scale life facebook group or the living free in tennessee coffee break group those are great groups groups to join so i know that book will be a great read and i wish nicole so much success in the future she's doing some really good things so hopefully next time we'll have julie on the show and she won't be caught in a snowstorm (laughs) but uh yeah we've had a lot of snow this year it's getting a little old i know julie has a lot of uh topics to discuss and other things that i probably didn't cover because I am a guy, so I'm sure there's some things that she wants to cover, and we'll do a podcast real soon. So there were a lot of great lessons learned from this conversation with Nicole Sauce. In our own lives, we have events that happen that become defining moments for us, right? Those are the key tipping points that change us, change our lives, and shape our future completely. They totally change us. So what are your tipping points? Get out a pen, write them down, meditate on those a little bit. What lessons did you learn from those tipping points? Maybe there's something you missed. Maybe there's a lesson that, you know, it was just getting through it. It was was white knuckling it and just getting through it with sheer willpower. But maybe there's something that we needed to learn from that experience. What was that? 
I know I've done my share of introspective thinking about it, and that's kind of how we got here today, right? How we started the podcast, how we started a blog, how we are want to move out and, and do this homestead thing, but we're but we're living in North Minneapolis and, and starting it here and learning those lessons now. So what are your tipping points? What's your story? So whatever you are dreaming about as you work your way towards building that life you love, make sure you keep Nicole's comments about being consistent honest and authentic in mind. I know we are. We're really working on that. So you will reap rich rewards if you sow these three seeds in your life's garden. All right, lifers, go get them. And as Nicole says, make it a great week. We'll be back real soon. This is Tom from Small Scale Life. Remember to learn, do, grow, and be a little better every day. We'll see you real soon. Take care, everybody. This is Tommy Cakes. You know, I just heard this great podcast with Nicole Source. I mean, Source, hey, I know that uh, Nicole likes to have a couple of little drinky drinks, especially at the cocktail hour. So I've got my drinky drink right here. It's got the little glass tinkling, little ice cubes tinkling. It's time to have a little cocktail. Everybody raise a glass. Get ready. Ready? All right. I mean, you can always put it on pause, but if we're ready, we're ready to go. So three, two, one social ah, that's a good drinky drink i hope everybody's doing good i'm doing good i'm gonna get back on the podcast soon and talk to you all give you a little motivation a little inspiration a little perspiration hey it's all good but i hope you're all doing good and this is tommy cakes from the small scale life podcast network and we'll talk to you real soon this is tommy cakes out <laughs>